Masechet Ketubot, Daf Lamed Tet. More about comparing uh, the cases of rape and seduction, uh, the uh, violator's obligations to her in various cases. So we begin Amarabaye Ba'aleha Umeta. If you have a case where a man uh, rapes a na'ara between 12 and 12 and a half, and uh, then uh, it takes time to bring him to court, then the court has to find him guilty, and before the court defines him guilty, and before he pays, she, the victim, dies. Uh, in that case, uh, the man, the violator, does not have to pay the father, because the pasuk says that he will give the father of the na'ara, meaning that the na'ara has to be in existence, and that excludes a father of a uh, someone who has died. And therefore, um, he doesn't have to pay. He gets out of it. Okay. Now, this was the statement of Abaye. And Abaye knew the halacha. It was simple to him that this is the clear-cut halacha. But Rava did not know this conclusion of Abaye. He asked it as a question and actually never gave a clear answer to it. He formulated, we're going to see a couple of different formulations of the question. This one is, does someone, does a young woman become a beged, a bogeret, in uh, after death, meaning if she dies a few days before her, before she's 12 and a half. So at the moment she dies, she's a na'ara. Does time continue for her? And she, after a few days later, on her 12 and a half birthday, she would have the law as if she were an adult. Or once she dies, time stops for her and she remains a na'ara the whole time. Now, what would be the difference in the in, in the law and the outcome? Yes, beged bakeber vedibna have. If you say that she becomes a beged, then even after death, then the fine would go to her son. Let's back up and explain this law. Let's say she's alive; she remains alive the whole time, and she is raped or seduced a few days before her twelve. She becomes twelve and a half, and then by the time they go to court, it takes some time to go to court for the court to decide. If the court sentences him after she becomes 12 and a half, after, when she's, once she's an adult, then he does have to pay the fine, but he pays the fine to her. He only pays the fine to the father when the sentencing is before she's 12 and a half. So therefore, let's apply it to this case. Here, the rape happened, happened when she was a na'ara, and, um, uh, and then she died while she's a na'ara, so, and the sentencing is after. So we do, what, what, what do we consider that? Do we consider that that time stopped for her when, as she, when she dies, so she's a na'ara forever, even after many months, um, uh, or not? Or uh, does she, since the time elapsed, even though she's died, time elapsed, and therefore it would go to her. She's dead, so then it will go to her son. Uh, how does she have a son? Well, uh, hold on to that thought. Or do we say, no, a woman does not become an adult once she died. She remains in her state of na'ara. And therefore, it's just like if she were alive, he would pay the father. So too, even though she died, um, as she remains a na'ara, 
even though many months have passed, and she, therefore he pays the father. Okay, that was Rava's question. Now, before we answer it, actually, we're never going to answer it, but uh, first we want to clarify, what do you mean she has a son? How is it possible that this Na'ada could have a son? Certainly wouldn't be by marriage, because if she was married, then it would be a different law altogether for the fine. We're talking about a son out of marriage. Is it possible, physically possible, for such a young person to have a child? Can she become pregnant? We're going to derive from this uh, uh, long baraita uh, the fact that a girl before 12 years old cannot even become pregnant, or if she does become pregnant, she will die. She cannot have, she cannot bear and give birth to a healthy baby. So we're going to prove that. So how do we know that? Uh, because the law is that three women are allowed to use a cloth uh, to so that. Uh, to prevent them from conceiving. Uh, um, okay, Elohen, who is that? Ketanam obet menika, a child, a woman who is pregnant, or a woman who is nursing. Let's see. Ketana shemetit aber vetamut. If she's a child, then she might become pregnant, and if she does, she will die. So there's a certain age when, uh, uh, when she's very young, she can't become pregnant. At a certain age, the middle stage, when she can become pregnant, but can't bear a child healthily, and she'll die. And so therefore, uh, she has to use contraception uh, so that she doesn't put herself into that uh, danger of becoming pregnant and dying. We'll see what age that is exactly. And if she is already pregnant, uh, they seem to have thought that a pregnant woman, if she engages in relations, can become pregnant again uh, with a twin. And there won't be room for both of them. And therefore, the new baby will cause the one that was already there to be smashed and it will come out deformed, looking like a sandal. As some say like a sandal fish, which itself actually looks like a sandal, uh, or maybe it's just a sandal. The point is that it's not going to be fully formed. Interestingly, this uh, fish is also known as soul in English because it looks like the soul of a sandal. So um, uh, in, uh, in Hebrew and in English, there's a similarity between the shape of the fish and the shape of a shoe. And so we worry about that. And therefore, a woman who is already pregnant can engage in relations, but if she does, she should use contraception. A woman who's nursing, if she becomes pregnant, then uh, she will have to, her, her milk will either stop or spoil, and then uh, that will put her baby, who she's nursing, in danger. Okay, so it's, uh, therefore she can use contraception as well. Now, Vezoi Ketanarabaita wants to tell you exactly what age do we permit contraception. Uh, from the 11th birthday and one day until the 12th birthday and one day. Less than that. And after that, she does not uh, need to use contraception. Uh, or maybe cannot use contraception. Uh, so the reason is because when she's uh, younger than 11, then she cannot become pregnant at all. Since she cannot become pregnant, she's not going to be in danger of uh, health danger. Uh, so um, actually there was an article uh, in, the, in the news a few weeks ago 
when we had that, that case of the 10-year-old who became pregnant, and the article actually said that a few decades ago, there's a black and white picture of the youngest person on record who ever successfully gave birth to a child, and she was uh, five, uh, five, and five and a half years old. Uh, that was a very unusual case. Her hormones were completely out of whack, but uh, that, that is the, the, the world record. Um, okay, but in any case, in a usual case, uh, less than 11 years old, uh, a girl will not become pregnant at all. And after she's 12 years old, then she can become pregnant and have a healthy uh, and be healthy uh, and give birth. The problematic age is between 11 and 12, and uh, there she can become pregnant, but she can't bear the baby and she may die. Uh, she will die. So therefore she has to use contraception. That's the words that would be made. So we see from here that it's impossible for a na'ada to have a child because to have a child as a na'ada, that means before, before 12 and a half, she, that, that's the definition, 12 and a half is the end of na'arut. She has to have a child before 12 and a half. How could she ever have a child before? If she has a child, even at the, right before she's 12 and a half, obviously she became pregnant but before she was 12 years old. We just said it's impossible for her to have a healthy, to be alive and have a child before 12 years old. And if it was even way before that, she couldn't become pregnant at all. So that was a challenge to the Braita up here that said that uh, if, uh, if she becomes a beggar, then the fine goes to her son. What do you mean? It's impossible for physically impossible to have us for, for her to have a son, according to the Bimeir. Now, Chachamim Omerim, Achad Zov, Achad Zov, Meshemeshet, Kedarka, Veholechet, Omina Shamaim, Yerhamu, Mishum Shenema, Shome Petayim, Adonai. Chachamim say, all these women, they can engage in relations, and don't worry, uh, Hashem will have uh, mercy on them, uh, these poor, these uh, uh, simple people, poor people. In other words, Hashem will make sure that they don't get pregnant, the nursing woman, the child, uh, the, the, the pregnant woman, and so you don't have to worry about it. Uh, we don't use, really rely on this to put yourself in danger uh, when, uh, uh, and say Hashem will, will provide, uh, but in a case where it's unlikely anyway that uh, there will be a problem, so then we're relying on it. Okay, according to Hachamim also, it seems that he believes that uh, uh, a girl will not become pregnant. He just thinks that you don't need, need contraception because she won't become pregnant anyway. Either way, a girl cannot become, a girl cannot have a child before she's 12 and a half. Impossible. So what are you talking about? Um, and so maybe you'll say she maybe she got pregnant after she while she's in Naada and she gave birth also while she's in Naada. But that period is only six months. Can't give birth in six months, right? In Talmudic times, the max they thought was possible was seven months. Uh, but that's we know Naarut is only six months long from twelve to twelve and a half. It's not necessarily the exact, the exact birthday. It has to do with physical signs as well. But anyway, it's six months. And maybe you'll say, well, maybe Shemuel was teaching us that it's never less than six months, but maybe it could be more than six months if between two hairs and, um, and a majority of black more than white, like we saw before, maybe that will be more than six months. And so maybe it's possible that it could be seven, eight, nine months. Um, no, but it says Ela, right? Meaning there's not the difference between Narut and Baglut is only six months. Now, Shemuel was saying it's exactly six months and it's not more. 
So therefore, it's impossible that she had a child. So you know what? We're going to reject that formulation of the question. And there's no way that the payment will ever go to her child. So we reformulate. This is what he actually asked. Yes, beger bakever upakaav. Do we say that if she, when she was raped as a na'ara and she dies as a na'ara, do we say she, she once the 12 and a half mark comes, even though she is in the grave, nevertheless she becomes a bogeret, and now the father doesn't get the payment anymore, right? Does the father uh, uh, not become eligible to receive it? As if she were a, ba- uh, 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 as if she were a grown woman, or do we say no? She does not become a grown woman in the grave, and the father's status does not leave her, and the father can continue. So here, the question is not whether her son would get it; since she can't have a son. If she were alive and she became a baguette, she would get it, since she's dead and she has no son. Therefore, he would not have to pay at all. So if she remains a naada forever, then the father can collect. If she becomes an adult even after death, then the father would not get it and he would not have to pay at all. That's, uh, so that question makes sense. Uh, yeah, but yet another version of the question, his question, uh, formulation question is, and at, at the, the act of death, is that the same as her becoming an adult? In other words, even uh, according to the first for this formula, uh, if you said that time continues, yeah, but it would only continue um, when she's 12 and a half, then the father would no longer get it. In this formula, the second she dies, even if she's just uh, you know 12 years and one day, the second she dies, the act of death makes the father no longer eligible and she becomes the same she's not an actually an adult and uh, actually an adult she's not alive and she's not 12 and a half uh, but it's there will be the same law and once she dies the father therefore would no longer um, get the fine or do we say no uh, uh, the death itself does not make her like a, an adult and the father can still collect it the difference here would be those in between months if she if the sentencing happened um, between her death and the 12 and a half birthday. Anyway, take all, all these, these, both of these questions are left unresolved according to Rabah, even though Abaye uh, did think uh, above that the father does not receive it, right? Once she dies, the father does not get the, uh, the amount and he, had, he did have a, a derivation. Um, okay, and now so we, back, we come back with a new question. Um, what if uh, this uh, a man is, uh, rapes a woman and then right so he's going to have to pay but in the meantime she becomes betrothed to a man does he still have to pay even though now she's betrothed uh, does he still have to pay the father and so Abaye answered uh, does it say that he gives to the father who is not engaged, to, of the father of the girl who is not engaged? Doesn't say that. Meaning, yes, he would have to pay the father no matter what. What's the difference if he's engaged or not? The, just the pasukto says, 
he pays the father of Nanara. Doesn't matter what status of, of betrothal she is. Okay, that's his answer. But now we challenge it. Um, yeah, but we know the law is that if she was raped when she was single and then she got married, fully married, and then uh, the sentencing happens, then the rapist has to pay her. She gets the money. Because she's married, she's no longer under the dominion of her father. She leaves it, and now she's independent, and she gets to collect the fine. And in that case, the pasuk doesn't say, give it to the father of Na'ara as long as she's not married. It doesn't say that. And yet, the law is that she gets it. So maybe the same thing with betrothed. Also, she would get it. And don't tell me a proof that the Pasuk doesn't say. The Pasuk doesn't say regarding Nisua either, even though she does get it in that case. Okay, so Abaye will answer, Hachi hashta, these are not the same. Hatam ho'il ubagrut mosi'ah. Mershut av, v'nisuin mosi'in mershut av. Ma bagrut ba'aleha ubagra la'atzma, af nisuin ba'aleha v'niset la'atzma. Regarding becoming an, uh, uh, becoming an adult, um, uh, when she becomes an adult, she receives the money herself. Why? Because once she becomes an adult, she is no longer under the dominion of her father. Getting married also removes her from being under the authority of her father. So, therefore, it's not as correct to compare them. Just like when she becomes an adult, um, so, so now she receives the fine herself. So, to when she gets married and no longer under the authority of the father, um, uh, she receives the fine herself. So that makes sense. Marriage is like becoming an adult. But when someone is betrothed, she's not yet removed from the authority of her father. How do we know? When a woman is betrothed, both her father and her husband can annul her vows. So she's kind of in between, in that in-between state. Yes, she is under the uh, somewhat under the authority of her husband, but not yet uh, removed from the authority of her father. And therefore, since the father still has authority, the father does get the fine, even though she was betrothed. And so it's not really because of the Pistukim. The Pistukim are the same in both cases, but rather because conceptually the cases are very different. All right, and now we get to the next Mishnah. And so this is about differences between the case of seduction and rape when a man seduces, uh, meaning he convinces a na'ara to willingly be with him, uh, even though it's consensual, but she's too young to give consent, and therefore he did commit a crime, um, but he has to pay only three things. The rapist is worse, he has to pay four items. Let's see what they are. The one who seduces, the kanas, that's what we've been talking about this whole time, uh, the fine, and he also has to pay for her humiliation, that's her subjective feeling of humiliation because of it, and also pegam degradation. She's of lower value on the market 
whatever that value is, so he has to pay that amount. Now, the one who rapes has to pay those three things, all plus also pain. Any pain that he inflicted upon her, we'll see exactly what we're talking about during, the, uh, during that act, during that crime, he has to pay for the value of the pain. Um, okay, ma ben ones limfate. Wow, what's the difference? How ones no ten asar, the one who rapes has to give, has to pay for the pain. The one who seduces does not have to pay for the pain because she was willing. Uh, therefore she he he's not he's not uh, being violent against her. He's not being violent, he's not causing her pain. If it was painful, she would say, Stop, this is hurting, and then uh, he would stop. If he doesn't stop, then he's a rapist, and he, then it's violent. So because not violent, there is no pain. Gemara will discuss this as well. Um, the things that he, they do not have to pay are interesting, um, and that is shevet and ripui, uh, the amount that you have to pay to a doctor if there is any injury and the time off from work. Also, he, would, he does not have to pay neither of these cases. Why not? Uh, the reason is because assuming that the injury is that she no longer has bitulim, and so that does involve pain, and it could be that she needs to see a doctor or may she may be out of commission, out of work for uh, a couple of days. So how come he doesn't have to pay that? The answer to that is because eventually when she gets married, um, then until she would be with her husband, her husband would, uh, when they consummate the marriage, she would lose her betulim. And whatever uh, loss of work and doctor, should she need a doctor in such a case, would have happened anyway. So now it was just happening, not planned. But since that would have happened anyway, so the seducer and rapist don't have to pay for it. Okay, so that's why they don't have to pay for those things, but they do have to pay for the other items. There are a couple of uh, more differences between the rapist and seducer. Ha'ones the rapist has to pay the fine immediately uh, even though he also has to marry her and assuming that she wants to and her father wants to and is permitted to marry so he has to marry her and uh, but yet he has to pay the fine now before the marriage as soon as the sentencing happens whereas the seducer only when they when the, she when he uh, uh, releases her when he divorces her in other words the mefate also should they get married um, he doesn't have to pay the fine immediately but rather if they don't get married um, then he would have to pay the fine now but if they do get married then he doesn't have to pay the fine until the end of the marriage in other words it's the same amount of a kituba for a betula so he gets the point is he gets married like a normal woman would there he has to he owes her, he, he is responsible to pay her the 200 zoos, which is the same as the 50 shekel, uh, and uh, only at the end of marriage, then he or his uh, estate would have to pay her. Okay, Haones, the Gemara will discuss that. Haones, the rapist, he has to drink from his uh, pot. Uh, this is a euphemism, meaning that he must marry her, and it's called a pot just like uh, someone drinks out of a pot. The, uh, the, the word atzitz is not, does not the same as a fancy china cup, uh, but rather is something used uh, for uh, pottery that's very cheap, that usually you'd use just for, for a potted plant. 
Gamadal will see why. Right now, we'll see why why it says that. Um, and so the point is that the rapist, that's you drank from it, you broke it, you bought it, and you have to. He has to marry her, and uh, the the marriage therefore is a, a responsibility. He has to pay for her and take care of her his whole life. His whole life, pay for her food, clothing, and shelter, clothing, shelter, treat her nicely like a wife. He is. Uh, she is a wife, and therefore. That'll make him think twice before raping her, right? You, you better be committed to this, um, and again, if she wants. Whereas the seducer, if he wants to uh, divorce her, he can. And that means also that he doesn't have to marry her in the first place. So the seducer, does not, is, we do not force him to marry. Uh, so that, that's a major difference. And so these are connected uh, because he doesn't have to marry her. Therefore, if he does, it's willing. And therefore, it's like a regular marriage. He pays the kituvah fine amount at the end. What do you mean that he has to drink from his pot? Even if she's lame or blind or she has boils, he can't say, oh, she's not uh, attractive to me. Uh, she was attractive enough that you took advantage of uh, her disabilities, perhaps, and that's why he raped her in the first place. She was attractive enough that you violated her, so now you have to live with her. So maybe that's why it's called uh, a, a, a pottery, not a fine pottery, uh, but uh, an atzitz. Okay, so, uh, um, all right. If, however, there is some matter of adva, meaning if she is unfaithful to him during the marriage, uh, or she is uh, um, she is someone who's not who's not marriageable, uh, be like she's a mamzeret or something. Um, then he cannot uh, marry her or remain married to her because it says that regarding the rapist she will be to him as a wife meaning as a wife only a wife who is suitable to him that he's permitted to. So that would be the uh, that would be the only way out for the rapist. Okay, so now back to the beginning of the Mishnah. Sa'ar Demai has to pay the rapist, but not the seducer has to pay for uh, for the um, pain. Okay, what kind of pain are we talking about? This is the pain that he slammed her onto the ground during the violence uh, when he forced himself upon her. says, What if he uh, forced her on top of silk? Uh, mattress, right? And uh, there was no pain, and he did not uh, uh, force her on, push her on the ground, and she did not feel pain. So then there would be no pain, and he wouldn't have to pay sa'ar. Now maybe he'll say, indeed, we're talking about we're talking about incidental pain, not pain from the act itself, uh, but rather from other violence. And if you say that's true, it can't be true. Uh, so he said that uh, the uh, the rapist does not have to pay for pain because she's going to end up feeling the same pain with her husband. So now, obviously, we're not talking about 
pain of being of, of violence of being forced on the ground. There's, the husband is not doing that, but rather we're talking about pain from losing her bitulim. Uh, that's the pain we're talking about. And since she is a bitula, he only pay the fine if she is a bitula. Um, uh, then. Uh, so the pain must be talking about that. And therefore, he would have to pay for pain no matter what, even if it was on silk uh, sheets and there was no other pain, the pain is for that. Now, in that, so that's how we know that that's true. Now, there's a machloket about that. That was only the opinion of Rabbi Shimon, but Amru Law, the rabbi said to him, no And they said, no, it's completely different. You can't compare the victim of rape to a woman who in marriage willingly uh, loses her bitulim, uh, even though uh, technically the, it's the same, uh, same act, but certainly the, the uh, feeling of pain is going to be much more when it's done violently against her will as when it's done uh, when she eventually gets married. It would be like, you know, a, a doctor does sur- some kind of surgery that, uh, that hurts, um, yeah, it hurts, but it's something that you want to do that you are willing and you know it's, it's healthy. So the pain is more bearable than if a violent person comes and does that same act and there's something that you don't want and is harmful to you. Uh, so certainly the feeling of pain is going to be much greater. Okay, so therefore um, uh, he, we, he would have to pay um, even though the husband, even though she would feel that pain eventually. Anyway, it's not the same amount of pain. Okay, so anyway, we prove from here that the pain we're talking about is not uh, is not the pain of uh, the of, of being forced violently on onto the ground, but rather a different kind of pain. So rather, it's the pain of her spreading of her legs, which is a euphemism meaning from either the breaking of, of her hymen or just the friction uh, that she's feeling and that would be that would be painful and we learn that from Pasuk uh, where it's talking about B'nai Israel who follow idolatry and that is like someone uh, who is with every man and uh, that is uh, because it's un- unwilling uh, that is painful to her. So that's the pain that we're talking about. And therefore that would happen in every case and always has to be paid, even if uh, um, there's no in- other, besides any other incidental violence and pain that he causes her. Uh, now we ask, wait a second, then for a seduction also, um, if we're not talking about um, violence and being thrown on the ground and other, other kinds of uh, pain, well then the seduced girl also will feel the pain from the intercourse itself, wouldn't she? Why doesn't he have to pay pain? For Sa'ad, for this in the seduction case. It's different. For the Mifuta, because she is it's consensual, so even though it's a crime, because she's not an adult, so that's true. But in terms of the feeling of pain, that does make a difference because she's consensual. Be like a person who says to his friend, "Come and tear my silk garment, and you don't have to pay." Right? A person can is can has the right to uh, um, allow someone else to cause him damage. Right? I say you can you can tear damage my property, and it's okay. You won't have to pay. The same thing with a person can say, you know, punch me. Uh, I want you to punch me, and uh, you won't have to pay. 
so even though she is not an adult, she can agree to uh, to uh, uh, experience pain because she agreed to it, and uh, therefore that particular aspect he does not have to pay for. Okay, sheli vipater. Now we're going to ask, what do you mean shkedain sheli? Is this really like her silk sheli? hu. It goes to the father since the payment goes to goes to the father. So what do you mean? How can she? Uh, even though she con- conceded, how could she concede and lose, make her father lose the money? That's, uh, it's like someone saying, here, rip my friend's garment. That you can't do. So rather, uh, the, we, we turn to the wise woman who know they have experience and they say that a seduced woman does not feel pain because she's willing. Um, uh, so therefore, uh, she'll be in the mood, there won't be uh, friction, and she won't feel uh, terrible pain like someone who is unwilling. Okay, and now we say, uh, okay, very good that those wise women said that, but we see, right, we see even married women, uh, the first time they consummate, they feel pain from the breaking of the bitulim. Right, so isn't there, there is pain. And so the rabbis say, no, there's not so much pain. How do the rabbis know? They asked the woman that they were, uh, that they were in touch with. And Abaye's mother, it's not actually his mother, it's his, uh, um, his uh, nurse who brought him up because his mother had died. But anyway, she, was, she says a lot of things. She's very wise. And she says that, you know what it feels like when uh, the bitulim are broken? It's like hot water on the head of a bald man. Um, so I guess it's, it's a sensitive area and it hurts, it hurts somewhat, but it's not terrible pain. Uh, so you, we wouldn't have to pay for it. Rava said that the daughter of Rav Chistat, that's his wife, right? Yes, his wife. What did it feel like? And he said, and she said, it's like the stab of a bloodletting knife. Uh, I assume that's a sharp knife, like a razor. And so if someone gets a surgery with a, a razor, uh, if it's very sharp, it doesn't hurt that much. It'd be like, uh, you know, getting a, a, an IV uh, put in, right? It uh, stings, but it's not so bad. Uh, Abba Sura's daughter, that was his wife, said it feels like a biting down on hard bread if you don't have teeth on, on gums. So you feel pressure, but not pain. Um, okay, so it's good the rabbis turn to their, their wives or, or uh, other women to ask them what their experience was. And so if it's a case of when she's willing, either in the case of seduction or she's married, then yes, it does hurt somewhat, but not so much. It's bearable. And so he wouldn't have to pay sa'ad just for that. Okay, Haones noten miyad The Mishnah continues and said that the rapist has to pay immediately, even if she he ends up marrying her and never divorcing her. He has to pay this now, but the, for the sedu- seducer, he pays only at the end of the marriage. Should she should he marry her? Okay, lechsheosi ishtohi. What do you mean when he divorces her? They're not married yet. Um, so what we mean is If 
he decides not to marry her, then he has to pay at that point. He has to pay immediately. Uh, but if he does marry her, then he doesn't have to pay until the marriage ends. But Aita says explicitly, says even though the seducer does not have to pay the fine, um, uh, uh, no, only pays the fine if he doesn't marry her, then he has to pay the fine immediately. But if he does marry her, then he only has to pay the fine at the end of the marriage, like a regular ketubah payment. Nevertheless, the other two things for humiliation and degradation, that he does have to pay her immediately because those were um, uh, direct injuries that happen now. And so like anyone you injure, you have to pay that immediately. Mishnah went on and said uh, that both the father, of both the rapist and the seducer, um, uh, the the, the Braita, sorry, continues, this is a Braita, uh, says, yeah, that the uh, both her and the father can decide that they don't want the marriage. Okay. They are able to prevent the marriage. Now, let's analyze this. Bishlama mefuta ketib im ma'en yema'en aviha. En li ela aviha hi atzma minayin tamodomar yema'en mikomakom. So we understand that in the case of seduction, uh, both can. So it says if the father refuses, right, then that's fine. So the father can refuse. That's explicit. So I only know the father. How do I know that the girl herself can say, I don't want to marry the seducer. Um, I'm not in. How, how do you know that she can refuse? Well, because it says a double language. Ma'en, yima'en. Why the double yima'en? So that means anyone, even her, her also, if she refuses the marriage, he, we do not force her into that marriage. Ela ones, but regarding the rapist, the pasuk doesn't say um, uh, the same thing. Doesn't say uh, regarding the rapist. It just says velo Then she will be to him as a wife. So from the word we learn that she has to be willing and, cons- and consent to marrying her. But how do you know that the father uh, also can veto and say, sorry, I don't like you, right? You uh, uh, raped my daughter. I don't want you to be her husband. How do you know that the father has a right to refuse the marriage? We have two answers to this question to prove that the father uh, does have a right to stop the marriage. The rapist should not uh, have a benefit from sinning. In other words, let's say I have a case where uh, before the rape, the father says, I don't like this guy. I don't want you to marry her. So the father has a right to, for his underage daughter, she's a na'ara, the father has a right to refuse his proposal. And now what are you going to have? Uh, the case will be, he comes and seduces her, or worse, rapes her, and now the father has no say? So now the rapist actually benefited from the deal. So that doesn't make sense. Um, rather, so my rapist, yeah, we know that with seducer, we know already, but the rapist, he should not benefit from raping the daughter, and now the father has no say. Uh, that's Abaye's answer. Rava says, I can learn from a kavachomer from, sedu- from the seducer. The sedu- seducer, we heard from the pesukim that both the father and the daughter can refuse him. So if in that case, where he, the man, the violator, 
Vader did not uh, um, go against her now her agreement. She agreed. She it was seduction, but only against the father's will. The father would not have agreed to this, um, uh, but he, she didn't ask him. Um, so in that case, where he did not, he, he got he, he got partial agreement from the daughter, even though not from the father. Um, and yet in that case, both the father and the daughter can refuse. All the more so, Ones, Shavad al-Dat Abiha ve'al-Dat Asma, the rapist who went against both the father's consent and her consent, so he's a worse guy, Lokol Shaken, all the more so, that there should be more pushback against him and that the father also can refuse uh, the, the marriage. Okay, so that's Rava, says a Kava Chomed. Now, why don't they agree with each other? Rava lo amar kabaye. Rava does not say Abaye's explanation that a person should not benefit from sinning. Kevan de kamishalim kenas. Lav hoten iskaru. After all, he does have to pay a fine. So he's not really benefiting since he does have to pay a fine and he loses out. Uh, so even though, yeah, in one aspect, he doesn't need the father's permission anymore, but you don't, it's only called that the sinner profits if it's a net all good, and here he does have to pay, so he's um, is punished. Abaye doesn't agree with Ravaz Kavachomer because, in the case of of the seducer, where he can refuse. In other words, the seducer can say, I don't want to marry her, as we're going to see. Um, so the seducer is not forced into, into the marriage, and therefore, um, uh, he, can, uh, he can prevent the marriage. So in that case, the father also can prevent the marriage. So there's, is a, there's a balance, right? He can refuse to marry her, so the father also has the right to refuse him. That's balanced. Where there is less rights in the case of the rapist. The rapist, he cannot prevent the marriage, right? He has to marry her even against his will. Uh, he has to if she wants. So in that case, because he has less options, so too the father has less options and he cannot prevent the marriage. It's only the girl who can. And therefore, the cases are different and you cannot make that kalvachomid. That's why Abaye has his reason and doesn't agree with Rava's reason. Okay, but either, case, either way, everyone agrees uh, that um, uh, both the father and the daughter can refuse the marriage uh, for both a sedu- seducer and a rapist. The, just a, the, the question is, why, where are they deriving it from? Okay, Tanya Idach. We have another Braita here that says, Afal Pishamru Ones, Noten Miyad, Hu, En La Alav Kelum. Braita says, even though the rapist has to pay immediately, that's true, he has to pay right now. And let's say they do get married. Um, when, at the end of the marriage, where if uh, he uh, divorces her, then he doesn't have to pay anything at the end. We ask a question. We're interrupting in Braita. What do you mean when he divorces her? The law of the rapist says he's, he's not, he has to marry her and is not allowed to divorce her his entire life. 
Uh, what we mean is that if she leaves, she is allowed to divorce him. So she or she can request a divorce, and then he can, then he gives her a divorce. So whenever, if should they get divorced for whatever reason, or if she's unfaithful, um, then he does not have to pay the ketuva payment at the end because he already paid it at the beginning in, in the form of the fine. Met yasa kesef kenasa We continue the brayta and say now if he dies. Uh, then he does not have to pay the usual ketuvah because he already paid the fine. So in other words, the fine is simply an early payment of ketuvah. That's according to Tanakama. Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yudah Omer, Yesh la ketuvah maned. Rabbi Yosef, says, even though he paid the 50 kesef, which is equal to 200 zoos, at the beginning of the marriage, uh, right after the rape, nevertheless, he has to pay a ketuvah Upon divorce or death, he has to pay 100 mane like in Almana. Okay, this is very interesting. What's the, what are they arguing about? The whole reason for a ketubah that the rabbis established is so that it will not be easy for a man to divorce his wife. Because otherwise, without that, every time uh, she burns the soup, he gets upset. Okay, divorce, get out of here. And there's no consequences upon him. And then women will be treated too lightly. And so therefore, if you say, oh, you have to pay, then when he gets angry, he says, oh, uh, get, get out of the house. But then he realizes he has to pay. He'll make up and sh- she'll be treated better. Now, in this case, he is not allowed to divorce her, the rapist. So therefore, this reason does not apply. And that's why he, there's no need for any ketubah payment at the end. That's Tanakama. In this case, also, she needs some protection because he can always make her life miserable, miserable enough until she says, I don't want to stay in the marriage anymore. In other words, even though he can't divorce her, he can indirectly cause her to be so miserable that she will want, want a divorce and therefore she still needs protection. If he has to pay a hundred mané, then he'll say, you know what, I'm not going to torture because I don't want to pay a hundred mané. Uh, we'll live together peacefully and that'll be better. This happens sometimes in modern uh, civil courts where sometimes there's a difference between whether the husband or the wife files for divorce. And it could be, could be, for example, that it's better for the husband if the wife files for divorce. So then what he does is he tortures her life until she files for divorce and then, or the other way around in different cases. Okay, on this, um, now, the, the last difference is that the rapist has to marry her uh, even if he doesn't want to, um, right? You broke it, you bought it. Uh, whereas the seducer does not have to. So question is, we already derived things from each other, right? We compared the two cases in terms of the sum of money. How much is it? We know uh, it's 50. 50 what? 50 uh, shekalim. The other place is shekalim. Let's say how much. So we know it's 50 shekalim based on comparing the two. Since you compared them anyway, why don't you compare it for this case, for this also and say that just like the rapist has to marry her, Against his will, so too the seducer also. He has to marry her, even if he doesn't want to. Uh, so the answer is, Regarding this case of seducer, it says he has to pay a dowry 
for her to be a wife to him. So law, since it says the word law, it means with his will, only if he wants to. So seduction is different. Good. Uh, for example, that even if uh, she has a, a physical flaw, nevertheless, the rapist has to marry her. Question that Rav Kana said um, is uh, to Rav Zavid from the Harda'a is why don't we apply the principle of an Aseh? overrides a lot in this case you have an assay that he has to marry her and uh, the lot in the case if she's forbidden right if she just has a physical flaw he has to marry her but if she's a mamzeret for example then he does not marry why not it's true there's a love to marry a mamzeret but there's also a to for the rapist to marry his victim uh, so why don't we say he marries her even though she is prohibited to him no, it's different. We only apply the principle of a overrides a lot if it's inevitable. There's no other way around it. For example, you have a brit milah and sarat. If uh, someone requires a brit milah, a boy, eight days old, or a convert, whatever, um, uh, and that person also has a, 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 a sada'at disease on the orla. Now, there's a law, you're not allowed to cut off a sada'at. Uh, so that's a law ta'aseh, but there's also misfataseh to gibrit milah. Uh, let's say eight days, right? You have to be done then. So in that case, there's no possibility of doing the aseh without violating the law to aseh. That's when we applied, we apply that the uh, aseh overrides the law to aseh, and you perform the brit milah even though you're cutting off the sadat and violating an as, uh, the the lav. But here, not not in every case will uh well does the aseh applies. For example, if she says, I don't want him, and she refuses him, then there's no then he there's no marriage. Uh, so since the Ase does not apply in every case, over here we do not so the Ase is less uh, less powerful. And uh, therefore the Ase does not override the law to Ase. So uh, just like if she refuses, he doesn't marry her, so too if she's a Mamzedit, he is not allowed to marry her, and he does not uh, fulfill this misfatase of uh, of marriage. Baruch Adonai Lodam, Amen, Amen.